Hello and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Doing well, Justin. How about yourself? I am pretty good. It's uh, I, I returned from Florida uh, to find a mess of uh, of professional uh, pitfalls uh, before me, but uh, I guess that's what you get for traveling. Well, that's usually uh, when you get home, you wonder if it was worth all the, tr- the trouble to, to leave in the first place. Yes, that's very true. Kirby, uh, sponsor. Uh, South Street Diner, Boston, Massachusetts. Mention this podcast, and Saul, the owner, will give you a generous discount. Curb, let's. Uh, I, I went to the race in St. Pete. Yes, tell us uh, about your impressions. Curb, um, the race was held about a month later uh, due to COVID uh, than it normally is. And I have to say, I mean, I got up into the stands and. It was pretty, you know, it was beaten down upon you. You've been there in March. Did you feel same? Uh, well, I mean, when you're out there in the sun, you're out there in the sun, right? And it's kind of, it's it's Florida. Usually in earlier in March, it's uh, you know, it's it's hot, but it's not unbearable. Yeah, I think that month matters is what I'm trying to say. Sure. Um, well, uh, I think uh, a handful of the drivers agreed with you. And I guess we can dive straight into that. It's, um, you know, Curb, I don't know why anybody bothers to listen or read anything else. They should just listen to you on this podcast because, I mean, your prescience is, uh, has been just remarkable. Not only did you pick Herda as your first pick, you know, which was kind of an out-of-the-blue pick to win the race. You highlighted early, you know, earlier this year that you know the aero screens and the the heat factor of the aero screens is still uh, still a problem, and nobody seems that nobody seemed to be talking about other than you. And uh, I, I mean, you you have just been pretty much dead on all year. I don't know why everybody should just listen to you. It's kind of you to say, especially when I plan to uh, provide give a mea culpa later for a mistake, uh, a bad prediction I made, but. Um... But you never heard of all the testing that happened over the offseason. I never heard anything about they were testing some new parts for the aero screen to help with cooling. And uh, sure enough, they hit a hot, a hot, sunny day. And it sounds like it was fairly humid, too. Is that right? Yeah, I think the humidity was almost the bigger factor. I don't I mean, temperature wise, I'm not even sure it got to 80 degrees. You know what I mean? Uh, There was like 77. But it was I was sitting out on the bleachers out there for about 40 laps. And I was with a couple other guys, and I was like, guys, now, admittedly, I was suffering from the second day of a two-day hangover. Um, okay. But 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 leaving that aside, I, I, I was ready to get off the stands, and we did. I was like, let's go walk around. And right. really, all I wanted to do after that was get in the shade. Sure. Connor Daly is pretty much uh, wiped out from, from uh, the heat, and I – Imagine a few other drivers were too. Aside from those scoops they put on the top of the aero screen, which some drivers used and most I don't think did, heat and uh, humidity is still an issue in those cockpits. Yeah, I think Ray Hall. You can Ray Hall just have him dump the uh, dump the drink cooler into his cockpit. Right. Yeah, you're right. That's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you had all that. So this is where the plot thickens, though, Curb. Uh, the winner of the race was wearing a new apparatus. A cool shirt. 
you know, hats off to Andretti. Brilliant, right? It's like everybody's working so hard on these cars and trying to get that last little bit. How about just making the athlete uh, comfortable? Great idea if you can make it work. I think most people have assumed that, you know, the size limitations, the space limitations in those cockpits, and but obviously they figured something out. Well, it sounds like uh, Andretti at least has come up with it, and uh, at least Herta had it. Right. Now, that also begs a question, Curb. <laughs> did did Hinch not have it? Because he certainly <laughs> kind of drove like he didn't. <laughs> well, really the rest of the Andretti team, right? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the Hinch thing first. Hinch said some very unkind things about uh, young Taco. Yeah, not so young. Old Taco. Taku. Yeah. Um, watching a replay of that, Curb, I, I believe that to be completely unfair. Um, I, I, I agree. I <laughs> mean. That was a great pass. How could he sit there and moan? I mean, he, Taku was right there, wheel to wheel with him in that corner. He lost the corner. What he had to do was back out of the corner and give away the position. Instead, even after a a poor performance at Barber, he decides to go the other route and knocks himself out again. My sympathy for him is zero. And, you know, where he is in the standings is exactly where he belongs because those are the kind of decisions that Scott Dixon doesn't make and and Hinchcliffe does. And that's why, you know, unless things improve dramatically, Hinchcliffe is going to be looking for a ride relatively soon. He's among a handful of drivers that are off to uh, pretty inauspicious starts and they still have time to right the ship. But I'm going to guess that not all of them are going to be able to do so. I think you and I would both agree that to win the championship this year, you're going to have to be consistent, right? And, sure. Uh, I, I think more this year more than ever. I don't think you're going to be that guy, you know, as spectacular one week and not so and terrible the next, and and still win it because you were so spectacular. And so I, I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think it's going to be a guy that's kind of muddling around that top eight every race. Right. Right. And I don't think that's a secret up and down the pit lane. I think everybody kind of acknowledges that and knows that. So when you got a guy like Hinch that's kind of making these bad, you know, albeit a split-second decision, but making bad split-second decisions like that, he's going to find himself right around the bottom of the field. I think he should be aware of that. I think it's time for a bit of introspection on his part. And instead of blaming Sato for kind of taking a chance and getting in there and, and, and actually, in my opinion, being there well well enough to – and obviously the he, 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 he was He was more there than Rahal was trying to pass Rossi. And at least on TV, they were all blaming Rossi for that accident. I'll bet you that if Sato was in Rahal's shoes, Rossi wouldn't have been so generous. Just, just, despite Sato's recent successes, high points in his career – he still has a reputation of, you know, kind of the bowling ball that goes through the field from time to time. He had, he had that pass made more decisively on Hinchcliffe than Ray Hall was close to having on Rossi's accident. And nobody's pointing fingers at anybody other than just a racing incident on the Ray Hall-Rossi accident. But Hinchcliffe wants to throw daggers at Sato for an aggressive but clean pass, in my opinion. You know, agreeing with you doesn't really make for a good podcast, but I do. And if IndyCars, I mean, I don't think they should. I mean, they should encourage passing like that because God help us if they start saying, well, that's not a good enough pass, then there's no chance of a pass happening mm-hmm. ever. There's too much parity to expect clean, nobody touches anybody passing in the series. Yeah, I, I, I think 
Especially you know, in a street course. Hinchcliffe might already be feeling the pressure that he feels like he needs to say stupid stuff like that, but I, I, I took great exception with his comments. Yeah, no, I agree. Curb, um, watch, <laughs> watching Jimmy Johnson drive, you couldn't help but feeling all he wanted was that race to end as soon as humanly possible. And he was noticeably slower driving around that course. I mean, you could see it being there. It was that apparent. And he would take any opportunity to just get away from other people and just kind of do laps on that course, just, uh, you know, without anybody else around him. On TV, it did not seem to be quite so bad. But that's what I'm actually trying to highlight. The TV, I think, reflected kind of a false impression there. You, you clearly saw that he was just, you know, he was missing the line. I, I don't think he wanted any part of it. It was just, he is not ready at this point in his learning process to take on a course like that. I mean, I think a lot of people expected him to struggle on a street course, his first street course. No room for error like he had a barber. At Barber, he had the benefit of lots of testing, so it was a perfect place for him to start. For better or for worse, his uh, yellow flags kind of livened up the show, right? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe that's his role. Look, this is not a J.J. Bash. It's just, you know, I said last podcast that, you know, I was glad he was in the series, and I am. But I'm just saying it was very, very apparent uh, at when you were physically there at the race that he is not ready for that type of course yet. How does that make you feel if you're Dalton Kellett or Max Chilton? Kellett, again, outqualified by Jimmy Johnson on pure pace. Chilton had some kind of mechanical gremlin, so I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass. Uh, Kellett, Kellett's Kellett. Right. Curb, uh, you know, I, I suppose we need to talk about Colton Herta for a second. Um, my observation about uh, young Mr. Herta is that another week, and we have another young driver to slobber over. So, so well, he's, you know, he's he, he's not only did he win this week, he's probably he's locked up two or three more wins this year for sure. And oh, and then, and, and likely an old Formula One invitation. And lock, likely going to get a Ferrari invitation of right. all things. I actually heard um, the other day from um, <clears throat> they that he was talking about, uh, you know, getting a third car um, Ferrari imitation, except there's one problem with that. There is no such thing as a third car in <laughs> Formula One. But let's just follow the sequence of events here. Right. We had preseason slobbering over award that he was going to win everything. Right. Right. Yeah. And that continued right through his pole position qualifying barber right up until the race. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then he has a, kind of a so-and-so race and is kind of quickly forgotten in favor of a Mr. Palau, who was a, a quick little bunny at Barber and won and, and just appears to be a title contender of all title contenders. Right. Sure. Right. You know. Fine, uh, finally, finally, the new championship driver, number 10 Ganassi car. That's right. Finally going to happen. And then we get to the second race. And Plow's nowhere to be found in qualifying, and then is starting to be forgotten. And then Herta, who's been completely forgotten about all this all along, is now, as you said, uh, gonna win the championship, uh, gonna get an invitation from Ferrari. I don't know. Is he is he gonna heal lepers, Curb? What what else is he gonna do? Well, he's uh, 
I think he's gonna, you know, probably win a Grammy, right, for his his uh, drumming in his band. Oh, whatever it is sorry, it forgot about that. Yep. Yeah, the IndyCar series is a very entertaining series. It's obviously a passion of ours. A bit of a lottery uh, component week to week and track to track, and this was his weekend to dominate. And uh, they all are having their moments in the sun. Palau Award had their moments in the sun last year. VK had a moment in the sun last year. They're quickly lionized and then quickly forgotten when somebody else gets their moment in the sun the week, the next week. And then, uh, you know, we'll all kneel down before Scott Dixon and forget the rest of them for, for the off season again. It's an interesting dynamic, how much we build them up and, and then forget about them week to week. It's, it is just, it's been funny to watch. I mean, who's going who is it going to be in Texas? Who's, uh, who's the young gun that we haven't slobbered over yet, uh, in Texas. Uh, I'm saying Scotty M. Yeah, it could be Scotty M's turn. Curb, uh, thanks for mentioning Scotty M. I think we should. I'm always fascinated more, you know, by who's struggling than like who's doing well, right? Everybody talks about who's doing well, but I think it's more interesting to kind of point out who, after two races, is behind the eight ball already. And I know you've mentioned a couple of names: um, Ryan Hunter, Ray Rossi. Hinchcliffe, Rosenquist, Rosenquist, maybe and, a little uh, bit lower, maybe a little bit lower profile, but Ed Jones. Uh, well, I was just gonna say, and I'm gonna add Ed Jones. Ed Jones, all those people that we previously mentioned, you could say, well, they had some bad luck, or they had mechanicals. And, um, Ed Jones, I mean, that he in one lap, he just displayed nothing but awfulness. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, you know that. That magical uh, season and first season with Dale Coins looking further and further away. Um, a very mediocre season with Ganassi uh, following that. And a year off with no driving. And now bumper cars uh, in his first season back with Coin. Uh, Coin's got to be disappointed. Yeah, I think so. Oh, Daly, we forgot to mention Daly, who's not exactly uh, killing it uh, right. either. And uh, Curb, that could be explained with the heat factor. I mean, obviously, he is not one for the heat. No, he, he openly admitted that. Um, what do you make of Rossi? I mean, he certainly hasn't been slow. It's not like he's off the pace or anything like that, right? It just seems like bad strategic decision in, in Barber that kind of set him back. I don't think he was going to win the race, but, you know, he could certainly have been in the top five. At, uh, at St. Pete? You know, he was in the top ten somewhere, but but not setting the world on fire either before his. Yeah, but he was probably headed for a top six finish, I would think, um, before this incident with um, Ray Hall. St. Pete's more like it's kind of like make your own luck. It was kind of like the Hinchcliffe situation. You got at some point you just got to back off and just realize that you've had a bad first race. You don't need two in a row. Yeah, well, I couldn't. You know, when when um, Rossi was again so generous in uh, not pointing the finger at, at Ray Hall. And I'm not saying Ray Hall was at fault. I'm just saying that you might have expected Rossi to blame him. And he was very calm and, and courteous about it. And I just thought, is a calm, courteous Rossi the best driver version of Rossi? You know, I mean, is that, maybe that isn't the best approach for him. I'm, I'm going to take you back to the last 500 where, you know, they he got admittedly just got robbed on a call from IndyCar officials on that pit stop. And then he just started driving in anger and passing everybody and eventually wrecked the car. Uh, you know, I'm not so sure him being all fired up is great either. I hate to keep saying it, 
<laughs> I feel like such a hack saying this, but people need to drive more like Dixon. Uh, the guy who is driving like Dixon this year, can you finish my sentence? Uh, well, this is where my mea culpa comes in. I think you're talking about willpower. I was critical of his ability to overcome a bad day, and uh, for the first half of this race, I thought I was going to be correct again. But the second half of the race, he really put on a impressive performance, making his way up from you know, 20th, 19th, wherever he was at that point, up to the top 10. You have to give him lots of credit for driving a smart and race and apparently doing a good job of picking his spots. Yeah, and him and Dixon are tied in the standings. If Will Power can continue this this mindset, which I think he's in, he's happy with that eighth. You know, he's like right. real happy with that eighth, and right. he was happy with his second. Right? I'm not so sure old Will Power was happy with either of those in years past, and I think he's maybe he's had a late uh, career epiphany here, Kurt. It's interesting to me that these guys. You know, like in, in Power's case, I mean, he's made these decisions and it's it's turning out for him. Whereas, like like I said, Rossi and Hinch, you know, kind of just got to let it go, man. Well, you know, uh, you know eight, and, eighth is a lot better than 21st. Yeah, that's for sure. And, uh, you, know, you know, it was announced over the weekend that uh, uh, Power's signed the contract extension for at least a couple more years. Maybe that has a calming influence, too. It is interesting that Power announces, hey, I got a you know couple more years contract and all of a sudden – Pagano's back up at the pointy end. Right. Curb, um, did you notice that the uh, Canadian uh, Grand Prix F1 has been canceled? Uh, I did see that headline, yes. So this is interesting <laughs> to me in a couple ways. I mean, one is I don't think it bodes well, particularly for IndyCar Toronto in July. The Canadian GP was in June, admittedly mm-hmm. a month earlier, but it does – you know, Canada – I was talking to a Canadian friend of mine today, and their mindset is, let's say, quite different from those of us in uh, the U.S. at this right. point right. with regard to COVID. I think it doesn't bode well for uh, the IndyCar in Toronto as far as like taking place in July, I would say. But the, the other really interesting fact about the Canadian GP is it's being canceled and it's being replaced by Turkey. So I'm like, okay, well, whatever. And I was considering going to Turkey for a holiday this year. And uh, I came to the conclusion that it might be a little too difficult to do. Curb, I did notice that the the place it's going that, that is accepting the Grand Prix, whereas Canada has denied it, had um, – Canada had 4,000 new cases of COVID yesterday. All right. Can you guess how many Turkey had? Well, I'm, I'm going to guess twice that many. And you would be wrong because it would be a factor of 10 that you would need to employ here. They had <laughs> 40,000 new cases. But somehow, that's okay. Come on in. We're going to race. <laughs> and I, it just goes to show you, it's everybody's making it up as they go along. That's for sure. Um, well, I'll pass on any political commentaries, but no, nah, it's, it's. I don't even think it's a. I don't even think it's a political statement, frankly. I just think it's. Um, it. I mean, you can't help but look at those statistics and kind of laugh a little bit about the whole. You know, the whole thing. It's just kind of funny. Right. Curb. I, I think we've beaten to death, St. Pete. Um, oh, I did have one more thing to say about St. Pete. Can you indulge right. me? 
Uh, indulge away. Uh, as I was walking to my seat, uh, I passed uh, Ryan Hunterway's uh, wife on a cart. Yeah. Yeah. I, I might be regretting my <laughs> indulgence here. <laughs> go ahead. Um, if it doesn't go well for him this season, right, and he has to retire from IndyCar, yeah. it's not all that bad. Well, it sure won't that, be all that bad. I'm sure that sustains him in his low moments. I, I you could be sustained by <laughs> by her. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that uh, uh, isn't that Robbie Gordon's sister? Yeah, I think it is. And uh, Connor Daly is a uh, stepson of uh, Michael. <laughs> Not my no, no, Doug Boyles. Doug Bowles. <laughs> Bowles. <laughs> Doug Bowles. Doug Bowles. <laughs> Doug Boyles. Doug Boyles. Thinking of the racing team. And the other gentleman I was with, who would have, you know, who had very little IndyCar, zero IndyCar experience, let's face it. Also noted, uh, is it Becky? Ray? Vicky? Becky? Becky, I think, yeah. Becky. Sounds uh, right. Also, also noted uh, Becky's presence. So she was a showstopper. Showstopper. Um, Kerb, shall we move on and dive into uh, Texas? Move the show along. Kerb, it's very interesting, by the way. If you you cannot watch a replay of the race on Peacock. Yeah, I heard that again this week, and I was going to go try to log into Peacock and check that out because it's. I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive it's not supposed to be that way. Uh, Curb, let's look forward to the upcoming uh, twin race in Texas. I, first of all, heat, right? Are we going to have another heat problem? Or is the constant speed going to kind of sort that out? I, I, I would ho- I would think they'd be hopeful that that would sort that out. Saturday, at least, is later in the day. Sun should be going down. Hopefully that's a little bit cooler. Sunday's race starts earlier. You know, usually the Texas race is in uh, the middle of June. And uh, here we are the first weekend of, of uh, May. And uh, so hopefully it's a net win for them in terms of temperatures and, and weather. Curb, I have a sinking feeling that they haven't resolved the track issue. Well, it is something to watch. I heard about them really scrubbing on that, trying to work with it. It seemed like three or four weeks ago now. I haven't heard much about it since, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, two races if they were anything like the track conditions of last year would just be a, a black eye for IndyCar who I think has a little bit of momentum now, just a little bit. They can't afford two races that there's one very narrow line. No, um, they'd probably be well served to give them an extra practice and tell them all to, try, all to drive in the second lane for 30 minutes or something. They need to try something. That's for sure. Drastic measures will need to be taken if, if that thing is not sorted. In fact, that I haven't heard anything like mission accomplished, like, you know, we got it, uh, is disturbing at best. No, I agree. It's a reason to be concerned, but uh, hopefully they'll prove us wrong. Curb, shall we dive into the, the picks for the race? Let's do that. I don't even know why I bother anymore. You seem to uh, you seem to have your finger on the pulse this year. <laughs> Usually uh, that advantage is fleeting, so, uh, so pick a year first this week. Uh, Scott Dixon. Really? Obvious choice, you know, multi-winner there. Been 
the consistent guy, as we've talked about, that we've all been looking for. I'll go with Mr. Newgarden. I think that's a good choice, although not exactly an easy choice, because I will take Will Power, who I could argue is every good, every bit as good a choice as uh, Mr. Newgarden for this venture. You could make that argument, and you might not be wrong. Um, I'm going to stick with Team Penske, though, and I'll take Mr. Pagino. Ooh, that is a call. I'm going to go for a future Ferrari driver, Colton Herta. Better get him while he's still in the series. Yeah, I mean, if he makes it to this weekend, I mean, I imagine there's furious negotiations going on right now. The call could go out. Um, yeah, I, I will. Uh, let's see. No. I'll go with Mr. Rossi. Yeah, uh, oh, there we go. There we go, because he's he's just good. on fire. It's a good track for rage. There's your top six uh, punters. For those of you who want to put the, some money down on the race, those are those are six good directions for you to lead in. You know, if you remember, Rosenquist had a strong race going there last year until he crashed late in the race, trying to fight his way back up to the lead. So, uh, so if you're looking for a deep uh, long shot pick, uh, go for one of those other Ganassi drivers. Kerb, I think we need to end it there. Thankfully for our listeners. Hope everybody has a good week and uh, enjoys Texas Doubleheader. And uh, we'll be back here next week. Yeah, thanks, everybody.